Hello and welcome to the Coast Football Ramble Podcast, proudly supported by Sideline Sports Grill at Erina. This week we talk to club legend John Hutchinson, discuss player departures and the final series. I'm Jimmy and I'm joined by Luke, Fred and Morrow. How are you guys? Good. Good. How are you? I'm well. Well, thank you. It's early. It is early. It is, what, 9 10 to 10 in the morning. It's the morning shift. Yeah. So It's an early point. We had to um, start early to talk to Hutch because it was about 4pm his time and 9am our time. So that's the only way we're going to get to talk to him. So yeah, now yeah, walk out song. Yes. Looking for the name of the song. Money for nothing. Money for nothing. Uh, Melbourne City coming up with nothing. Ooh, <laughs> that's a little cryptic, but yeah, I was thinking TV girls and yeah. Hmm. Nah. Nicer, yeah. I think that's two in a row I've got. Yes. You're on fire. They were rubbish. They were trash. Yeah, well, they uh, basically played one more game than Phoenix, Adelaide, Newcastle, and us for their nine and a half million dollar investment. Uh, they were just, they were terrible, absolute gash. Yeah, I think, do you, do you like, I think they've got some passengers, but I think a lot of it comes down to Valcanis. Yes, I agree. I think he's a rubbish coach. Uh, yeah, they haven't been the same since uh, Van Schip left. Yeah. No, because you have to think that there is a p. I mean, a heart in there somewhere, and uh, but that's the irony, really, that the heart just. Do don't you want to define have a p heart for us, please? Heart. Very tiny little beating object um, that is inside each of those guys. Hmm. Yes, very small heart. No, no, get up and go. They, when it, when the chips no were fight. down, no fight. Exactly when the chips were down and it looked like they were going to lose, I think they got worse. They never showed up. They never showed up. Yeah. yeah, and I think for for anyone who's not aware of the inside joke, we call uh, Fitzy and Caceres the P-Hearts. Um, not Rosie, because we still like Rosie. But we give them a lot of crap, but he left them on the bench. And the players he started, I would have started the P-Hearts. In. And even leave, left Luke Bratton on the bench, who we always bag out. I don't necessarily like him, but I don't know why you leave him on the bench for. In a final. A uh, friend and I were talking about this before... He hasn't been the same since he got his locks cut off. No, I know, I know he did that's, it for good charity. That's true, actually. But, uh, that's it. He, yeah, Samson, Samson got yeah. his hair cut. Yeah. yeah. He He's, hasn't still realised that he may still have the power <laughs> inside him. He's unrecognisable. It's inside of him. Yeah. I don't know. It's I still thought he was rubbish. Pushed down. <laughs> <laughs> what, before? Yeah. He was on fire before. Oh, he, he, was, he was on fire in the media. He was on fire whenever he was commenting. Oh, but, the media. Um, there wasn't... That- Comment he made about the that Melbourne City team being better than the Brisbane team that he well, won the, the championship with. Yeah. Well, to be fair, I think he probably said that on paper, hilarious, they were better than the Invincibles team. But um, but they've always thought that they were better. It yeah, was, that's their issue, isn't it? Yeah, they are legends in their own minds, but really, they had nothing. Well, it's just kind of fitting because my question this week, Fred, what's your question? Melbourne City. Um, now that their season's done, um, did the K- Tim Cahill experiment work? Did he bring bums on seats? No. And what was will it? will he? Was his effect? Will that bring more people next year? Are you asking if there's been a legacy? 
<laughs> Maybe. If Hashtag legacy. Hashtag legacy. Because that's and what he wanted. More, more importantly, does Yoshi go into rehab now? <laughs> <laughs> Yoshi's from Sydney anyway, isn't he? Yeah, but he picked yeah. Timmy. Mm, that was, that's FFA no, marketing for you. All honestly, did it work? Short answer, no. Long answer, yeah. no. It should have worked off the pitch and it didn't. On the pitch, you could argue it did because he got 11 goals in 26 games. For Cahill, it worked. 27, you include the final. He didn't start every game. Yeah, that's what I mean. He missed a game or two through injuries. So that's a pretty good return um, on that, I guess, for a 37-year-old. But off the pitch, nothing's changed for them. Right now, the the legacy, if you will, is that he only hangs with the elite except for those blokes he plays football with. Because <laughs> mm. they're far is, from that, the that elite. What did you say, Freddie? He needs to surround himself with more Samsung, Samsung products. Samsung. Well, at halftime, uh, my wife joked that they'll be wheeling in uh, some Samsung fridges <laughs> in and around the box. Instead <laughs> of wall. So he feels more comfortable, <laughs> um, which was amusing. But wasn't wasn't the attendance only 9,900 odd? Yeah. yeah. That is absolutely appalling. That's Mariners-esque. Absolutely appalling. And and so, yes, he might have been successful in that he got 11 goals and he showed some moments that were uh, brilliant. But in terms of what I think the FFA paid for Tim Cale's wages to come here, and I bet it was a fair bit, then I don't think they got value for money at all. And I think what, what was hoped was that he would, uh, he would uh, bring forward the whole... Um, Melbourne Heart, Melbourne City thing to make it a thing of beauty that even us neutral fans would uh, think was was good for football. But instead, it's just been the same. Well, they got the cup only with Tim Cahill. They got the cup, so you know the FFA train was on on tracks until I don't know. I think Vince Ship left, and it all bringing just him fell back apart. was a mistake. Bringing back Vince Ship was a mistake. Yeah, it w- it worked short term. Yeah, they should have went for a big name. But instead, they brought in someone that had already been there. Yeah. They, they did a worldwide search no and ended up with Valcanis. Yeah, and sure, they did get a, a trophy, so they've got the the FFA Cup. But the reality of the FFA Cup is it could be controversial. This, but um, it's a growing, um, uh, you know, it's a, it's it's growing the the view that it's a great thing to win. But still, there are two trophies ahead of it, and they're the two main trophies, and uh, they're the ones that everyone wants to win. And Melbourne City weren't good enough to even compete with the teams that are going to win either of those. Um, so, so yeah, they got one piece of silverware. So for the fans of the of the city, Melbourne City, they've done okay, I guess. But for the neutrals and for everyone else and for the A League in general, I think that really the KL experiment's been a failure. I think the whole Melbourne City experiment has been a failure. Really, I think uh, there's no geographical divide between them and Melbourne Victory. There's no real point of difference. Um, it's just a I badge. Think it, yeah. It, if, if, you, if you bring in arguably the best ever soccer roo and your crowds don't improve and your membership isn't through the roof and you spend $9 million on a team and still get under 10000 to a final, that's a massive letdown. They need no identity. It should have always been a Geelong team. It's one of the reasons that I, even though it's a bit controversial, still I, I don't like the idea of implanting any more teams uh, in places that don't already have a history. I like the idea of bringing through teams from old soccer mm. because they have a history, they've got glued on fans, they will only get more fans if they are moved into the top tier. And so th- then we... We, we don't put ourselves in the position of having too many more Melbourne cities, Melbourne hearts. Even within within their own history, they haven't got an identity, have they? No. 
Um, they've changed their own identity. Yep. So no history in Melbourne, no history within themselves. Uh, finally won a bit of silverware. Probably were lucky to do it. They caught Sydney at the best time for, for, for playing against them this season. So fail, Fred. Yep. Even the Mariners had an identity in the first season. You know, we're a new club, no history, but we just seem to have... I don't know what it was, but that, that local spirit, I guess. Yeah, it was that um, come from nowhere. Um, uh, we're in it together. We're, we're the little um, club that could kind of mentality that we developed. And uh, so even though we are struggling to meet the average um, attendances that we'd like to have, then we've got a lot of glued-on fans um, who are locals who are going to continue to renew their memberships and who are going to continue to go to matches um, some of them are um, taking advantage of the pricing advantage of being members and are going to continue to do so. So, so yeah, we, we gave ourselves an identity and now we've earned that identity. Laurie, to be honest, um, gave us that identity. Mm. Um, we mentioned that in the interview with John coming yeah, up. Yeah. So. Uh, we'll, we'll just jump into um, the, the reviews now. So Melbourne City lost to Perth Glory 2-0. Trash. Um, it's It's... <laughs> The defending was similar to what it was last weekend, except that Perth, you know, managed to defend. Roston was absolutely on fire. He was a beast. And so, so was, was Dino Jilbich. And, and Castro as well. He's yeah. Going forward, you know, they couldn't stop him. And well, City couldn't stop even him. Even the, the last time uh, Mark Warren and Bruce Kamau came up against each other. Oh, Mark I don't look like Mark Warren as well. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Warren well, like had I a said, maybe at 3am after some yeah. cans. But <laughs> Mark Warren's had cans at 3am, is that what you mean? I'm sure he has. That's why he plays the way he does most of the time. But <laughs> on the weekend, he was actually alright. And Bruce Kamau had no impact. It was like as if he knew what Kamau's move was going to be. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. Because he just had him on toast. Every time Kamau tried to go around him, he was waiting for Well, he probably watched a video of him during the week. The last time he got schooled by him. I think well-deserved by Perth, though. It was, but um, the the defence, the poor defence made Castro's goal look fantastic. Like, that that just looked yeah. like super quality, and it was. But it Every day of the week, he was going to cut back in on his right foot, and exactly. they still couldn't stop it. So they should have. And know. the defender, did you see the defender that was in Which one of, of the three? The <laughs> or four. <laughs> he turned sideways and made himself narrower instead of, you know, spreading his body, putting his arms behind his back so he didn't get handball. He, I don't know, he just well, sort of turned away he, from it. Once he had turned what sideways like that, then he was squared up to the direction that uh, Castro was travelling. It was the second defender, the one in behind. Which meant he couldn't really move. None of them really made a proper play at the ball, including Bazanis in the end. So, good goal and everything, but uh, made to look a lot better yeah, by was, their shite defending. Easy. But so. does that put a mark that we need to keep players like Castro in this league. Yeah, well, he's out of contract. Yeah, if I thought we could afford him, then I think we should be getting he's got links Did to the City Jets. make him look good? But every other time he's played this season, he's looked good. Yeah. I think, you know, even I think when he looked they've like lost. a different league on the weekend, though. Yeah, well, it's City's City. But yeah. I'd like to see him stay. I'd like to see Bruce stay, you know. There's some key players in this league right now that I think need to be to, to to build the league to what it should be. Someone said Castro might be retiring. That sounds like a rubbish idea. Why would he do I that? No. I heard that. Why on earth would he do that? Really Castro's going not. to the Jets. If he wants to retire, then he should um, consider a beachside location. Come on, baby. <laughs> would you take him? In a heartbeat. Castro to here, 100%. Yep. Way ahead what about of Shut Bush? up, take my money. 
What about Broish? No, no, too old. Yeah, I'm 50-50 on that because uh, he could be an influ- influential player but uh, in the right system, but he hasn't really been able to establish influence this year and uh, if you, we'll get to that game soon, I imagine, but in the, ga- in the game on the weekend, he was sort of ineffectual for long enough in the game that uh, I think they thought he might be replaced Yeah, he only came in second half, didn't he? Which he then did a good job in the second half. Okay, we'll move on to this but game anyway. then. So, one all at full time, um, Brisbane getting that 6-5 on penalties. Entertaining game. I enjoyed this game. I thought it was. Yeah, for, it was for the yeah, for yeah. the neutral, um, to use that term, I think it was a good little. This is what the A League finals should look like. Um, but you know, Wanderers in typical Wanderers fashion failed to shut anything down. They could have won that game within the first few minutes, but. Yeah, Wanderers are all over Brisbane the yeah, first exactly. half. And his exactly. game of two halves is that cliche saying goes. Well, I was uh, I was upset that um, well, I was happy that Wanderers got knocked out because I hate the Wanderers. It's just another year they can't win it. But I was upset because it means that Perth can't host the final now. <laughs> yeah, just what we all wanted. <laughs> that ruins our. Um, it's what the FFA wanted. Yeah, True, but it does we wanted to go full anti FFA and have Perth host the final? But they're still crying. They are. They're just they didn't hysterical. get their Sydney derby, <laughs> so it's no good. Yeah. But I think we, but we could still end up with a Perth Brisbane final. Let's yeah, but it won't be in Perth. No, no but still, it that will put the FFA out hugely. Yeah. Well, there was what fifteen thousand there on the weekend, I think. So if take a word for it. If <laughs> yeah, Brisbane, I don't remember the crowd, but it was a decent effort. Yeah. If Brisbane hosts the grand final, they'll be straight up to fifty because they're the biggest bunch of bandwagoners in the country. Yep. Every single grand final they host sold out, but they can't sell out a home game or a final to save themselves. But Broish in the first think half... they shouldn't be playing at Suncourt, just no, putting I, I, that no, out there. I don't, I don't think so either. But Broish in the first half, I thought he was all the difference when he was he was nowhere in the first half. And then in the second half, he was everywhere. Yeah, he he, was. The, the amount of tracking back he did and winning the ball back and then going forward again for a bit, and he did not look 30... Six or whatever he is, thirty-five or whatever. Thirty-six. Um, so, yeah, did you see him at the end of the game? Some of the shots of him sitting on the ground. On yes, the bench, just when the penalties are being taken. In ice. <laughs> yeah. you know, he worked like, for that though. He definitely worked for that. So, Brisbane already seemingly have decided to not re-sign him. Um, which is I think as a midfield, he's. I don't think I could sign him. He's. He's too. He's past it. He's too old. You reckon? Yeah. He's just in and out of games like that. It's like a Monty situation for me. I don't know. Well, maybe at Brisbane it would be because he's got that connection with the club up there, but to another club, then he's just an older player who is not uh, can't be in the game for 90 minutes, even mm. if he's on the pitch for 90 minutes. In this game, he wasn't in the game for 90 minutes, was he? So, no. No. Look, if you have a completely energetic side around him that does all his work for him, you could possibly carry him. But as we've said previous times in the show, we can't carry players. Mm. Our team yeah, can't true. do that. No, I don't think he's it for is us. True. But no, I don't some think people Ocon him, wants a player. He would he'd, he'd be he the Del Piero role. He would just sit in the middle and just distribute the ball. Yeah. Which and I think we need that, that particular role. Um, it's, that's what only had Tommy Rogic doing, and he did it well. Yeah, um, Rogic can move, though. Yeah, true. We, need, we still With need that person to work. And tackle. Yeah. Well, no, I reckon that only relieved him of most of his defensive duty. It's, and our, our no, he's process. still got in there. 
He did sometimes. You're right, um, but his his defensive duties were lighter than they could have been. It and puts too much pressure on everyone else, and I don't like that. Yeah, it, do, it does a bit. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that. What about um, uh, why wasn't Sandalab sent off for the second yellow that clearly was one? In fact, arguably, I think I could if I went back through the recording, I could find three yellows for Sandalab. The referees are shit. We've had this discussion. Aaron's ref whinge of the week. Yeah. <laughs> Once a week. <laughs> and we haven't even got to the penalty yet. And I'll be controversial. Go on, oh, well, Go on, Come on. Tell us about it. Was a pen for you, boys? Um, no. No. No way. No. Me either. No. no. I, I thought that um, Papadopoulos, am I getting that right? I thought exactly. Papadopoulos um, makes the challenge. That Does, shit happens every Doesn't week. make a connection, but um, Santa Lab expects the connection. So it starts to go down and then uh, gives uh, Papadopoulos... Papadopoulos a little bit of a kick on the way past said there was contact and Rudin then says that it was uh, not dissimilar to uh, the Castro incident with McGowan. Yeah. What a load of bollocks that was. It's spoken like a true Western Sydney fan. Your mate Rudin. <laughs> mate he, well, he's Sydney United. Yeah. That's where Santa Lab's from. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be hard to come up with a more biased assessment of that situation to be perfectly honest. Yeah. The Castro thing was nothing like that. Pastro, Castro was definitely kicked by McGowan, definitely fouled, but made a drama out of it. In this case, Santa Lab made the drama and made connection with Papadopoulos on the way past. We just had a jet fly over. Did we? Yep. Um, Did it crash and burn? is the no. role of a striker, <laughs> Picking though? up spoons? Is it North Korea? No. <laughs> no? Okay. Isn't that the role of a striker, though, to try draw fouls from defensemen? No, it's score goals. Yeah. Well, obviously that too, but... The role of them is to try get into the box and get well, into positions to either mindset. score a goal or draw a penalty. You've been watching the La Liga too much, or, um. <laughs> no? I'm sorry. Yeah, there's there's, there's too much flamboyance, but fall downish. <laughs> that's part no, of their job. Is my answer to that? Okay. No, it's not. Screw yeah, you. Yes, if it's there's a foul, my side. I just don't see a foul. There's just no foul there. Yeah. May, the okay, thing. maybe yes. If um, let's just say the, the the opposition team have set up like ten guys behind the ball, sitting in front of their own goal, and you can't get a shot away, then maybe yes, draw the foul. But his main objective is to score goals. That's why he's there. So, continuing my rant, Go. my usual rant, the VAR didn't correct what was an obvious mistake in Santa Lab not getting a second yellow, and I think the rules prevent the VAR from inter- involving themselves in that. Yeah. Wrong. <laughs> fail. Rules, whatever, fail. Mm. Um, then the pen, as far as I'm concerned. There's a view there that shows that clearly Papadopoulos' original challenge doesn't connect with Santa Lab. It's only that Santa Lab then decides to go down and past Papadopoulos and give him a boot on the way by. Two obvious errors, if you ask me. So, I don't know. The system is a millions of dollars worth of... Good summary. Um, I thought. <laughs> I thought Thanks. I thought the second half was pretty backwards and it was balanced. It was like, much more open. Yeah, and definitely. I thought going into extra time, um, it was sort of pretty even. But then Soterio getting the red card really killed any momentum that the Wanderers had, which was a stupid red card to get. I don't know what he's thinking, flying in on a halfway like that when he was clearly not going to win the ball, and he's just really hurt his team. And then that sort of put them on the back foot, probably mentally as well. And then going into the pens, there were some good pens in there. There was. There were some average ones that I thought the goalkeepers 
were a bit... Cornthwaite smashed it. He, he did. did. I thought I was, he was going to sky that for yeah, sure. Me too. And then but it, the moment that I saw Jompe walk up to take the pen, I knew that they were going to lose. Yeah, it, it was yeah, gas. That that has been his whole season. Yeah, I can get to the to the to the box, but I cannot finish. Yeah, and Young just waited long enough to yeah. ease it into his hands. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh, Theo out for the rest of the campaign as well. Did his MCL? Mm. How good was Jamie Young though when he came on? Tank. He was a beast. He I would I would have him here any day. How big is that dude though? Huge. It's massive. Right, on to anyway. MPL 2, we went down to Plume Park uh, to watch uh, the Central Coast Mariners draw two all with Bankstown Berries. Woo! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> now, if you don't know what it's about, you should have been down there. Um, <laughs> do you want to explain it to us? Well, we were pretty excited when um, uh, Reese Papadimitrius stood up, uh, came up and to take a free kick, put it over the wall, and uh, stunning free kick. It was a stunning free kick, and um, we were so excited. We were nearby, and we were so excited that we all went woo! Yeah, woo how did it start? And it, uh, how did they, it start? Because they scored. scored. Well, they oh, scored. No, no, yeah. No, no. Yes. They, they had scored earlier. We didn't woo then, did we? It was no, only no, when they, they wooed. wooed. Yeah. So when we when Reese scored the yeah, equaliser, look, I'll get you to tell a story, mate. This guy's lost <laughs> well, his on, way. Hang on. The equaliser was. Not, that was the first time we wooed. It was when they went ahead. No, we started wooing when they were wooing their first goal. I don't, didn't recall that. Must have been asleep at the wheel. You must have been. Did you drive? No, <laughs> I rode. Were you on the drinks? No, none of the above. I just wonder if you. But do go on. Do go on. Come on. Take. take That's all right. Anyway, so the you and a, the coach ended up blaming us supporters. Yeah. Well, so what happened was uh, Bankstown went two one up with about seven minutes to go. I think. And it wasn't a great game all up. Um, it was sort of pretty scrappy and um, we didn't play great. Uh, but we ended up getting a penalty uh, right as the clock ticked over to 90 minutes. And uh, again, Reese Papadimitrios stepped up, slotted it under pressure as the goalkeeper was yelling at him, don't choke, don't choke. Down and the I middle, think, down the middle, I don't think choke. I've worked out where the goalkeeper got that from. Have you seen the that? Ad- yeah. yeah. The Bosnich ad. So I don't know why he's done that for. And it should be, shouldn't, if Reese missed that, shouldn't we get to retake it? Because you're not, you're yeah, not allowed to. Yeah, I don't to, think you meant to do that. You're not allowed to do that. But so then that happened. So then we were giving the goalkeeper shit, and we were all yelling out, "Don't choke, don't choke!" And then we were just wooing. He gave the uh, the ball boy a serve as well. Yeah, he did. That's how much of a jerk he is. Yeah. Uh, speaking of ball boy, when we were lining up for the pen, the young kid from one of the younger academy teams was on the ground praying. <laughs> yeah, <but laughs> he was. was on his knees with his hands together. <laughs> So well done to him. Uh, but then, yeah, in the Football post game, gods were with us. Yeah, they were in the f- post game. Apparently, the Berries coach had all of his boys there in a circle, and he blamed them for interacting with us uh, and losing uh, their heads in the last sort of five minutes. Because so. when they went up, they scored their two one up. Then their player was giving us the woo. Half yeah. the team came over. Yeah. Exactly. The big centre back exactly. was just giving it to us. Exactly. So. Bit of just yeah. desserts there. So then we equalised and we gave it back ten times as hard. Yeah. So We're still fun. giving it back now. It's going on for days. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why it's, it's important to get down there and support the academy boys. Like if you, it's good look, fun. Even if you don't support them, just you know berate the other team. Yeah, like it, I said, it was. It was my. It doesn't work out always, though. <laughs> no. it didn't work out in the first round, did no, it? Definitely. It was my no. first academy game, and I, I think that was more exciting than watching the first team at times. Just the banter yeah. and the. It's a the, family. The, the two and the the give and go for the the games and all the games because we saw a, a bit of the the earlier games, and that was heaps more fun. Well, we made atmosphere, didn't we? 
Yeah, like I said, the although, game the game wasn't great, but we're all there in a big group. So although poor old fun. poor old Benny Khan, who um, we've had on here a couple of times, he uh, he thought we were giving, giving him a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this week we well not just this week, but you know the past few weeks we've lost uh, Roy, who's gone up to the Jets. It was announced straight after last week's podcast. Snake. Our theory goes out the window here. Which I'm really disappointed about. I thought we had this all wrapped up. Yeah. Um, Look, I, well, the reason why I think he's gone to the Jets is because it's close to home, pretty much. Yeah. He doesn't Money. have to move. Um, apparently, he is moving, though. So, But they don't have to move far. Yeah. Um, and for the money that he's going to be on, he can afford to move um, somewhere nice. So... Because from what you know, from what we can roughly guess, he was on, and then what we offered him, and then what the Jets offered him, they're paying massive overs for Roy, in my opinion. But the McLaren uh, connection didn't work, did it? But we no. now we now hear he might move on to City, which he has denied. Oh, do you think that they're going to do that? Mel, the City Group are going to buy him, then loan him to City. Yeah, which well, would well, be a rumor that came out. Yeah, be a stupid move for him. So, so much for our theory. Roy's anyway. now a scummer. Yep. Um, Fabs has moved on to Malaysia, so wish him all the best. Do wish him all the best. Yeah, well, the, the rumour was he was going to the Wanderers, but that obviously didn't come through. And Fox Sports put up an article basically saying that, well, it was all like a done deal, and then all of a sudden, at the last minute, he's going to Malaysia, which I'd say he's probably on more money, which at this stage, well, he's still pretty young, but um, I guess he wants to try and sort of set himself up, and there's a lot of money on offer in Asia as well. And understand more than here. I good luck to him. Um, we also lost Ivan Nacheski. Um I don't know if we'll go into what he said when he left, but anyway, he's gone. Wish him all the best. And Paul Izzo, the worst kept secret in the league, has gone to Adelaide. Which he what? Already he's gone to about. Adelaide. Yeah, you're it's kidding me. Surprising, isn't Jeez, it? Did we get a transfer fee for that? <laughs> I wonder if he would have stayed if the band was still playing. <laughs> I can't believe the negativity. <laughs> Oh no, there's so, so much, much negativity. negativity. So many in-jokes. Even from Ivan. All right, we're joined by club legend and patron saint of our podcast, John Hutchinson. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? We're all good. Very we're well. All Hello, hello. Very it's all well. lovely to hear your voice. I'm, sure, sure, the list- on. I'm sure the listeners are <laughs> thankful of this. Right, can you tell us um, how you came to be at Seattle Sounders and can you tell us about um, a bit more detail about what you're actually doing there? Um, so when, when I left the Mariners um, before the start of the season, I took off around the world just to have a look at, obviously, different football places around the world and uh, I ended up in Seattle at a time through um, John Young, it was the video analysis at Mariners and Dave Tenney here at Seattle Sounders. And I came for a week to have a look around and didn't think anything of it. And then flew out to Qatar to have a look at Aspire Academy over there and then ended up in Hong Kong um, and then back to Australia. So um, I emailed the GM here and wished him good luck for the grand final. Um, he told me yes to assistant coach job was up for grabs and if I wanted to apply and I applied and um, end up getting the job, so that's uh, so how I end up here. And as a club, it's a fantastic club. It's a big club. My role is pretty much uh, to help Ezra Hendrickson, who's the S2 head coach, um, and we we train a bunch of professional boys, aged from 15 to 22, 
23 years old and we get given first-team football that um, need game time and they come down and play games, train with us. Occasionally today we had uh, practice with the first team, so both squads trained together. Um, so it's pretty, it's the setup pretty good. Um, I'm enjoying my time here, but yeah, it's, uh, as I said, it's professional football, so I've stayed in, inside a professional game and um, I get to work with professionals every day. Speaking of um, Ezra Hendrickson, his playing career is pretty interesting. He's played internationally for St. Vincent and the Grenadines across three different World Cup campaigns and he's played nearly 140 games for the Galaxy. What's he like to work with? Yeah, he's a very knowledgeable guy. He's, um, we went to LA last week and uh, we played the, the LA Galaxy second team and Ezra's like almost like you could say he's like famous around the around the grounds there. He everyone's saying hello to him, taking photos with him. Uh, so, you know, he's obviously had a really good career and as a coach he's he cares for his footballers, his um like his knowledge of the game, the way he sees the game, we 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 share similar stuff and some stuff different as well, which is good. Uh his training sessions are always intense and he sets up a lot of learnings for the players. Obviously we've got a lot of young boys and the learnings that he gives him is really good, but you know he's just generally a really good guy, um, approachable for the players, and that and that's what you need at this level. You know you can't, especially with the young ones, we can't not be approachable. And he's always speaking to them, letting them know where they stand, how they're going. Um, we lost on the weekend. We're going to game tomorrow, but we lost on the weekend at home. Uh, <laughs> I still don't know how he stayed calm, but you know he stayed calm. He went in, spoke to the boys, and let them know where that, where all their faults were and what they need to work on. Uh, we've done video today. His video analysis is great. And, yeah, we I think we make a good team. Talking of the season uh, so far, it's been a bit of an up-and-down uh, thing for you guys. Um, what's um, How do you been assessing so far? Yeah, look, it's um, when we have the first-team players in our squad, we do we do well. We had, we had a, a bit of experience in there. Um, the game on the weekend, we had only the goalkeeper from the first team and pretty much with the young professionals, what we get is hit-miss sometimes. You know, we, we went to LA and that was their best game of the season. So we're hoping they could back up that performance and then they probably produced the first half, their worst half of the season. Um, so, you know, it's, it is hot and cold at the moment. We don't know what we're going to get every week. Um, but, you know, we're trying to develop football for the first team. We've got a 17-year-old centre-back. Sam Rogers, who plays, he's been playing every game. Um, he'll play again tomorrow in our, in our team. So, you know, five games in a row for him. Straight out of the academy, he's probably one that, for the future, that will sign with the first team and hopefully go on to bigger and better things. So, so in terms of the uh, coaching structure there, Hutch, like the types of coaches, the number of coaching staff, um, how does coaching in the USL compare to, uh, say, the way that the Mariners' uh, coaching is structured? Yeah, so our S2 team, so the second team, we call it S2 here in Seattle, uh, we probably have the same amount of staff members that the Mariners have um, in terms of like a coach, head coach, assistant coach, fitness coach, goalkeeper coach, um, the physio and all that kind of stuff, uh, team managers and that. Um, but then the first team have obviously the head coach, two assistant coaches, the video analysis, um, goalkeeper coach. So there's a lot of coaches around and, um, you know, I'm actually lucky because we get we get to watch the first team train and get involved with the first team. We get to sit in all the meetings. We kind of, as staff, sit all together and, and work out the planning for the week and the games. And, you know, you get to hear and 
see how they plan it. Um, I get to see different training sessions that they put on and all that kind of stuff. So um, they've got some really good coaches here as well, uh, the two assistant coaches. They both do a great job under Schmetz, who's the head, the first team coach. And, you know, he's the same. He's a caring guy. Like, he cares for his footballers, and, and, and I like that a lot. You know, he he always uh, empowers his assistant coaches with training sessions and lets them take what they have to do. And then you've got Dave Tenney here, who's world-renowned for what he does. So he does a great job in, in the S&C department. Now, you mentioned before the professionalism of what you're going over there, like what you're doing over there. What are some of the differences and things that the MLS does that you would bring back to the A-League? I just think they're... It's tough, though, you know. Like, the A-League's obviously still new and still growing. Um, I think the, the biggest difference between, you know, without going too much into it, but the biggest thing for me would be that they have a... Like, the MLS, and then they have the... the um, USL as well underneath it, which is like a development for players. You know, we the standalone teams are trying to get in the MLS, and they're they're full time professional, and they're, and they're you know full grown men. Like you're talking about almost playing. Like we play as a team tomorrow. We've got four or five players with MLS experience. Of, you know, one's 36 years old. Uh, the left wing is incredible. He's a good footballer, and it, it, we're playing a bunch of kids against them. So their learning is quick, is very quick, and um, you know I think that. The A-League is now not having a, having a second-tier full-time professional league. Uh, the development of our young kids here in America is is easier because, you know, our team isn't just based on results and it's based on development of the young kids who are we're a second team. Um, so, you know, the standalone teams obviously are out there just trying to win every football game. We're trying to develop footballers and win football games as well. So it's a, it's a juggling act, but I think that's what Australia needs to do to to compete with the MLS. So do you think it's less cutthroat? Uh, I wouldn't say it's less cutthroat. The MLS is all cutthroat. And, you know, if you get a standalone team in the, in the USL, you, it's cutthroat as well. You know, we if we don't produce footballs or we don't get the right results, if we lost every game and didn't produce a football, I then we'd be out of a job quickly, you know. So our job is to try to get the boys from the F2 into the first team, but and try to get a winning culture as well. So it's kind of a juggling act. Um, you know, I think the last two, three years, I've had five or six players from S2 into the first team. And on the game on the weekend, uh, Jordi Delem, who's played right back for the first team, was straight out of S2. You know, he came out of S2 and played. There's a few on the bench that, that were there. Tony Alfaro, who's played centre-back, was a S2 player from last season as well. So, you know, the S2 is doing their job, and hopefully we can continue that this year. You've been in Seattle for a little while now. Uh, what's it like living in Seattle, and what's your favourite thing about the place? Man, it's cold. Man, it's so cold, and it rains so much. Honestly, I just read a report today. They like broke a 122-year record for the amount of rain they've had this winter. So um, it's crazy. Like I've never seen a place that rains like it. We used to laugh about Melbourne and say how bad Melbourne weather was when it rains, and then then the sun comes out. This place. Tops Melbourne easily. It's um, yeah, the amount of rain we have. But it's a beautiful city. When we first got here, uh, we had snow, so the family had never seen snow before. So we were outside like typical uh, foreigners in the snow, throwing snowballs at each other, um, which was fantastic. But it's a beautiful city. You know, we're just waiting for the summer. Pretty much everyone gets us When the summer comes, it's, it's amazing. Uh, we enjoy going into the city. You know, obviously we live on the coast and we get to go to the city, and which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, at the moment we haven't really done too much sightseeing. I know my wife's got a 
uh, trip booked to Hawaii, um, which I have to stay here and keep working. So I guess you'll enjoy that. What are the training uh, facilities like there to cope with all the weather, like with all the rain and all the snow and stuff? Yeah, we train on, uh, they call it turf, which is artificial in Australia, um, artificial pitches. So we train on all them. The the main team have a grass pitch and an artificial pitch right next to it. So, you know, the majority of the time train on the grass fields. It's, um, yeah, we've never had a problem. Like, we've trained every day. Like, we've never had to take a day off because it's rained, you know. There's a gym on site. Um, the offices are here. There's offices in, in Piney Square as well, which is in the city, where, you know, all the, all the, uh, back staff and that and doing the commercial deals and all that kind of stuff sit and do all their work and uh yeah it's pretty it's pretty cool man we come in every day you get to see all the coaching staff um the gms are here they work out of uh starfire it's called um you know there's 13 pitches it's a community kind of center as well where a lot of community stuff goes on so you know it's it's a it's a good center the, the boys have their own change rooms um we have our own training ground all the time we can use two fields if we need to use both fields. Uh, we play games out of here, we've got a little stadium that the second team plays out of and obviously the first team play out of CenturyLink and yeah, it's a good setup. They're doing, they're doing great things, you know. What do you miss most about Australia in particular? What do you miss about being here on the, the Central Coast? And uh, also we hear that uh, there might be some missing of Milo. Oh, man. <laughs> I know. We, we, got, we got sent a care package from Australia. Um, which obviously had uh, a bit of chocolate in there. My, my wife and obviously Easter Bunny had to bring some chocolate, so there's a couple of Easter eggs in there. Um, the Milo definitely missing the Milo. And Amen. the funny thing was when I came to work, there's there's some uh, Vegemite on the table which I stole. Um, which obviously <laughs> one of the players, people, one of the staff got when they you know seen a Aussie, they obviously gave him some Vegemite. So I stole that and took it home. I was like. Taking home gold to the family, um, but you know Australia is <laughs> Australia is a beautiful country. You know I, I do miss the coast. The coast was well, I can live there twelve years. An incredible place. Um, you know at the moment we miss the sun more than anything. You know <laughs> so what can we have? I'll give yeah, we're very lucky. Sun, so, and the and the warm weather. So yeah, look, it's you know we are settling into life in America um, slowly. We're getting there. The family's obviously settling in better now. Sons at school, uh, we've got our own apartment and all that kind of stuff here. So we're settling in nicely. We just, uh, it took a little while to get settled in, but we're, we're getting there. So Hutch is the only player who had been here on the Central Coast since our club's inception uh, and who had been around as long as some of us and uh, who started your professional coaching career with us. We're just starting to accept your departure as part of the personal development for you and your new career. Do you still see yourself returning one day to take the reins and win us another A-League championship, this time from the coach's chair? Yeah, look, it's a tough one to answer, really, because I didn't really expect myself to leave the Mariners when I did leave them. You know, it wasn't part of the plan, I guess, of, uh, of the coaching course. But, you know, you obviously my time was up there as being a coach. They brought in new people and... Uh, you know, I come to Seattle now, and and I don't know what the future holds now. Like if you know, me and my wife spoke the other day about it, and whether we're here for three years, five years, ten years, it's not really. We're just kind of typical Aussies going, we're cruising about, you know, just doing what we have to do. So, um, would I come back to the Mariners if the opportunity come? Yes, like it's, uh, you know, as you said, I started there, I twelve years there, but you know, if. Seattle wanted me for another 12 to 15 years. I'd stay here as well, you know. So um, the plan is obviously 
the family do want to return to Australia one day and whether I'm still coaching or I'm not coaching, then we'll just have to wait and see what happens. But, you know, I still try to stay in touch with the Mariners and watch a couple of games here and there when I can. But you know, it's pretty tough because the A-League's not shown over here. So, um, But hopefully, you know, one day in the future that I can come back and, as you said, manage the club and hopefully win another championship. That would be nice. Now, you mentioned before you work with um, kids and bring in players in from the from your team up to the first grade team. What are the same, What are some of the key things that Australia football needs to focus on in relation to youth football and the progression of players? Yeah, as I said, like there's no tier, like, there's no second tier, like a professional setup for the young players. You know, if they don't make the A League and they're playing youth league football, there's just not enough for me. There's not enough jobs in Australia for young pros, and you see them go overseas way too early. Um, than they should, you know. I always speak to when I was in Australia, I spoke to people about like like the Brett Emerson career, you know, he played in the old NSL, he played 100 games in the old NSL, then went to Holland, ended up in England. You know, he, Milo Sturjowski was the same. You know, all these people that, like, set their career up where they are and then move on from there, I think that's the way to go, you know. And Australia just needs to get second-tier football, you know. And for me now, they need more clubs as well. You know, the 10-team format's getting a little bit stale, um, and it'd bring more teams in, get the expansion happening, and make make the league better and, and more competition. You know, so that will create more jobs for players, coaches, and and people alike. You know, everyone wants to see the game grow. Um, they've just got to like, taking a few chances and let it grow. Like you, in here in America now, like the, the clubs are building their own stadiums. You know, their own football stadiums, which is amazing to see. Um, there's clubs entering all the time. The USL is getting a new team next season. Um, the teams in the USL want to get, want to try to get up into the MLS, and the MLS is split into two conferences, and and they're going strong. So, from what we can gather, it looks like San Antonio uh, are the number one team in the USL. How are you guys going to deal with them mm-hmm. on Tuesday? Yeah, that's uh, tomorrow for us. Um, it's going to be a tough one there. Obviously, top of the thing, we've done our video analysis this morning and we went out and done some training sessions based on how we think they're going to line up. Um, you know, they've got a good left winger. They've got experience through the park. You know, they've got a 36 year old in the middle of the park that runs the show. They're two centre-backs of MLS experience. But, you know, we've gained a couple of first-team footballs, which is good. Um, but, you know, we... Because we're kind of like trying to develop and win football games, we kind of play how we want to play. Um, you know, we we we've been told we have to play out of the back, so we play out of the back. Ezra loves the team building up from the back line and keeping the ball on the floor, so we'll keep trying to do that. Even on the weekend when we're losing, we still keep trying to do that. Um, and you know, we we got punished a couple of times, but it's okay. Um, but yeah, look, it's it's another game for development for some of the boys, and you know, some of the boys are trying to impress to get into the first team. So you know, we're going to set up. Set up like we always do uh, in our four-two-three-one. Um, we don't change that at all. We stay in that every game, and and hopefully the boys can just be a little bit better than they were last week. And hopefully the tactics that we set them out will help them in that, and they can get the win. Now I'd like to bring in um, Danny. You're offside of there, Danny. Can you come in on this? Um, with we know that um, America's got you know gridiron and hockey and all these other sports. Um, how does the MLS deal with um, sort of being, you know, the other sport behind gridiron and baseball? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's kind of tough to see that in Seattle. Uh, 
to be honest with you, I mean, we average over 42,000 fans uh, every single every single match, and it's just uh, uh, definitely a hotbed in North America for for soccer. So, while you know on a national stage, uh, soccer is definitely trying to come up and get get to that point. Um, you know, luckily here in this in this region, the Northwest. Uh, huge, and uh, we're all very fortunate to be a part of it. Okay, excellent. Okay, Hutch, um, one for you, um, a little lighthearted, I guess. Uh, we want to know whether or not you um, had a good laugh when you heard that the Jets won the spoon again, this time for the third time. <laughs> uh, look, I, I, I didn't laugh because I was... That was an evil laugh. I was with my mate Laurie there now, so, yeah. <laughs> well, my mate Laurie there, is there now, so it's kind of a tough one, you know. It's... Um, as a player, when I was playing there with the, against the Jets, it was kind of like you wanted to beat the rivals and all that, and they were our local rivals, like Joel Griffiths was, Griffiths was there, and you know we had a good rivalry and all that, and uh, obviously we, when we coached, we come last, and they chucked all the wooden spoons on the field, um, and maybe that's why, you know, that's what happens sometimes, you know, a bit of uh, karma, I think, got them, and they finished last, but, you know, I do feel for Laurie, and I hope that he can build, you know, in all seriousness, A League need teams like Central Coast and Newcastle to do well. Um, you know, in the last few years, hasn't been good enough for both clubs, and hopefully they can get off the bottom. But I did have a little chuckle about the wooden spoons thing that they chucked on the field because I was just thinking that I'd love to return them in the past, but I'm mostly in America. <laughs> have you heard that the uh, the squadron have folded? Your mates that gave you uh, coin investments. Yeah. <laughs> I did hear that. Maybe they shouldn't have chucked a few cents at me. <laughs> they just throw at me all the time. But um, yeah, look, that's like, again, that's bad, isn't it? You know, like that's sort of build rivalries. You know, we I used to love playing and trying to wind them up. And you know, I remember one game where you know things exploded at full time because I got the ball and I picked it up in the middle of the park and launched this like half volley towards the squadron and I didn't think I'd kick that far and end up right in the middle of them. You know, and all in brawl on the field, but then Dylan got sent off and <laughs> and then Laurie blamed me, which was my fault. Um, you know, so you miss that kind of stuff, you know. It's a shame they went and, you know, hopefully they can get a new fan base and maybe they can save their pennies and not chuck them at anyone and that way they don't have to fold. But, um, yeah, it's a shame, you know. Hopefully they can, they can get back to where they were because... Now, I remember playing against Newcastle um, in that semi-final the, the year they beat us in the grand final. But when we came home, we were tuning down, and there was seventeen and a half, eighteen thousand people at Blue Tongue at the call back then, Central Coast Stadium, and that was probably one of the highlights of my career. Yeah, that, that was a special night. One of the greatest days ever. Yeah. yeah, great game, you know. And Petrovsky scored a double, <laughs> which is uh, which is awesome. Yeah, you don't forget that kind of stuff. I just got uh, tingles up my spine. Yeah, even Kwasa put one away that day and, you know, all the shirts off and that. It was no, a fantastic that was a, day. That was, a, that was a deflection. Don't, don't give Kwasa <laughs> yeah. that was a deflection. That's what, I, that's what I tell everyone, John. That's what I tell everyone. Are you still in pretty regular contact with Laurie then? Yeah, yeah, I speak to Laurie. Um, you know, the thing that people, like, obviously have to understand is Laurie... When Laurie first took his job in Northern Spirit, I was one year into my uh, career at Northern Spirit. Um, I was 21 years old. He came in. He slaughtered me within the first two weeks and told me he's going to get rid of me if I didn't pull my finger out. Um, and then from there, he kind of looked after me. You know, I, I was young and I was immature at the time, which I probably still am now, some people say, but um, he looked after me. You know, he was kind of that bad away from being home. You know, he used to look after us all the time and... 
you know, he, for me, he's a good man. He's a mentor. He's my mentor, and along with Graham Arnold as well, you know, who I stay in touch with. And you know, these people, people like Laurie, you have to have in your life. You know, they can mentor you. I, I called him as soon as Seattle made contact with me and, and spoke to him about it and asked him what I should do and what did he think. And you know, he's like, take the job and go for it. So you know, he's he's a good man. You know, he done wonders for the Central Coast. You know, he he's the one that started started the club up and got the people on board and. You know, when he was around, the crowds were incredible. You know, and I think half of them come to watch him instead of the team. You know, because he was such such a good guy. So, um, you know, I always stay in contact with him. And as I said, I hope he does well at Newcastle. I hope he finds the answers and get the club firing again. Not yeah. too much though, but firing a little bit. We do our we do owe him um, our internal, plenty. Yeah, for for the whole Central Coast Mariners thing, we do owe Laurie a lot. It's it's all down to him. Yeah, I think I think it, I think he's he's done a wonderful job. You know, he brought in some wonderful players at the time. He, you know, if people knew exactly what he had to deal with, obviously, if you read his book, you can you get the inside of some of the stuff he had to deal with. But you know, I remember in in a year, one year of football, we had 17 different training fields, and as a coach, that must be chaos. You know, we're driving to Sydney, we're driving all over the coast trying to look for a patch of grass anywhere we could just put the ball down and kick it around. You know, sometimes there's no goals there um, for him to keep keep his cool and. And keep producing the results he kept getting was a testament to the man. You know, he's a, he's a good man, and um, I always stay in contact with him. Talking of staying in contact with Laurie, um, the Jets are looking for a, a head coach. Uh, would you consider taking the job if it was offered? I know it's a cheeky one. <laughs> oh, look, <laughs> that was a very cheeky one. AI, like obviously, I wouldn't. I'm not interested in being a head coach at the moment. I still need to learn uh, a lot about the game and coaching and that in terms of coaching, but. Um, you know, I think where the Jets are at at the moment, they need to get someone with a bit of experience. You know, they've, they need to steady the club up, and I think a, a nice, experienced coach would help, um, or someone that's been in the coaching role for a long time. So, it, it, no, I wouldn't take the job right now. Um, and B, I don't think Laurie could offer it to me because I don't know if he'd get out of Newcastle alive. Um, but yeah, look, it's, you know, if the future, if the future come down to it and Laurie offered me a job in five, ten years' time and, um, that was the best thing for me for my my career and that. Then I've no dramas taking the job. Okay, Hutch. Um, uh, some of the um, lighter stuff at the end um, was the laundry lady. These are, these are uh, questions from some of our punters. I reckon you can figure out who these people are. Was the laundry lady the best laundry lady the club has ever seen? Mate, she's an absolute ripper. Uh, Mel was, <laughs> was incredible, incredible lady. Um, you know, most angry person I've met. Um, I used to call her my wife away from my wife because, you know. She was so angry at me all the time. It was like I was at home. I didn't know what I'd done wrong, and she's angry, you know. Uh, but no, the boys love her. She, what she done for the club was incredible. Um, she worked so hard, and Still you know, is. if you, if you, yeah, exactly. And she's, I don't know, she's just a good lady, you know. She looked up all the players, looked up all the staff there. Um, she works hours that people would, couldn't even imagine. You know, you think about trying to turn kids over. When we're travelling home and we land, we get up to the Central Coast and have to throw all our kits in the in the gym area in the in the lounge area. Like they've got to get cleaned, and there she is. She's there waiting for us to put it on. And it's not like she's got eight washing machines lined up. She's got two washing machines, a couple of dryers. So she's turning, she's putting all that all the gear on and getting it ready for next time. And all the training kit has to be done after training. You know these people that obviously don't get the credit they deserve. And she's she's an absolute gem of a lady. Speaking of kids, oh. 
Speaking of kits, can you confirm that Dean Heffernan got his um, Season 1 kit tailored to suit? Yes, man, I'll confirm that, definitely. Thank you. Yeah, you should take it in and get it, and get it trimmed up and tightened up. And uh, I would have done the same if I... If I, I would have done the same, but, you know, I, I was a little bit rounder at that time. You know, stomach, so I just left it for Dean to do. Right, I've got another question. Um, have you got a Fruit Loop sponsorship yet? Fruit Loop sponsorship? No. No, no, no. I know who that's from. We don't have, the thing is here at Seattle... And you can tell Gabby this. The thing here at Seattle <laughs> is that we get actually breakfast and lunch supplied by the club, and it's incredible. You know, the, I used to whinge all the time for telling me I want Fruit Loops, I want toast, and I never got it. Uh, <laughs> I think for about 12 years I complained for that, uh, which we never got. But, um, yeah, here we come in, we have breakfast, and it's it's, it's, it's great. Tell us you should try it. The club might... Uh, you know, the players might um, perform better, hopefully, on the weekend. <laughs> what is the leachy dance? <laughs> oh, man, I wish I could show you. <laughs> the leachy the dance is between... Oh, man, it's horrible. It's the worst dance ever. I, uh, someone filmed me doing it. I'm trying to think who filmed me doing it. Um... Someone filmed me doing it in the back of the car. I, was, I forgot I was in the car with people and I was doing the leechy dance and I got filmed doing it. But um, yeah, it's not the best dance in the world. He's, he's, we we say the leechy's arms need to be painted on because they're. Um, yeah, I don't think they're meant to be his. He's like he's stolen and attached them to his body because they just don't work with the rest of his body. It's unco. Yeah. That's why I don't dance for. Cause I'm exactly the same. So I just I normally just hold on to the bar somewhere. But you know the old leaky dance gets a, gets a run sometimes. So I imagine you're doing plenty of um, travel over there, Hutch. Um, probably a fair bit of it by flying. Uh, do you still have the chronic fear of flying mm. that that uh, puts you in the fetal position on a flight back from Adelaide? We hear. Yeah, that's true. I hate flying. Uh, that's my biggest fear in life is flying. So I definitely chose the wrong profession been flying since i was 16 um yeah i hate it man that's not nice at all um when we flew over here from australia to america with the family you know they're looking at me trying to see if i'm wrong <laughs> bravest face ever um pretending that nothing was wrong with the plane while i was shaking uh, i was just thinking <laughs> man i can't do this anymore so <laughs> yeah no i'm not a not a happy flyer at all i hate flying i, I remember once in china where i tried to get off the plane um, we went down the runway a little bit and then it turned back and then I didn't want to fly and Laurie's telling me I had to get on a plane or I was going to be stuck in somewhere in China. So I ended up jumping on a plane almost sitting on his lap, I think. I was that scared. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't enjoy it at all. Um, we got to fly again in a couple of days, so thanks for putting the fear back into me. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, we spoke with um, Dan, Dan, the membership man, <clears throat> Chalinor. He said... Yeah, uh, big Dan. Yeah, Legend. Dan. He is. He uh, wanted to pass on all the you know well wishes from the club, and um, they all send their love. And so do all of us. No, he's a good and man. I miss, his, I, miss his, I miss his hugs. I was about <laughs> to say good that. Hugs, big Dan. Yeah, he does. <laughs> good hugs. He's a good man. It's good to hear from you, mate. It really yeah, is. It is. You too, guys. Thanks for the chat. Oh, well, thank you for joining us this week, John. We really appreciate it, and all the best. No worries, guys. Thank you, man. Thanks. Thanks, mate. Thanks, 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 mate. Good thanks, luck. thanks, Danny. Thanks, guys. Love you. Bye.
Alright, preview time. Sydney at home against Perth on Saturday night. Uh, Sydney. 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 Yeah. Easy. Perth were impressive last week, but Melbourne City were trash. So, Sydney had a week break. They would have done some, done some sort of intra-club game on the weekend to um, sort of keep the ball rolling, and I think they'll cruise into the grand final. Victory, Raw. This is a harder one. I can see Raw doing this. So can I. So I'm on Sydney, by the way. But um, Raw, yeah, I can see them doing it too because Victory have just laboured over the line, haven't they? Yeah. Unless Fallen this is a comeback game. We should yeah. have beaten them. Yeah, they, they, they weren't really impressive against us. Like, they got the job done, but um, we could have easily snuck away with a point or more in that exactly. game. And, yeah, as you said, the last few weeks of the regular season, they just haven't been impressive. Whereas um, Brisbane, you know, they've got played 120 minutes last week. Went all the way to Pens, and they they didn't necessarily look like losing. They also have ACL this week as well. They do. That is a good point. So um, that is a lot of football within a week. So it'll be tough for Brisbane, but I think Brisbane can do it. So I'm going to go Brisbane. Yeah, see if Bruce can back it up again. I don't know. Yeah, I'm with Luke. I'm going with Brisbane as well. (coughs) I reckon Victory are falling over the line or falling uh, apart. So see you. Right, also on Saturday night, 7pm, Wanderers at home against Mariners in the MPL 2. We're going to try and get down there, aren't we? Would yeah. be good. I'll be down in that area, Fun. vicinity, so we'll try and get there. Blacktown Football Park is uh, a good facility as well. I think it's artificial, so um, yeah, it should be fun. Love MPL. Yeah, our boys are you know struggling a little bit. They need all the support they can get, but... Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, the 18s and 20s were impressive on the weekend, so hopefully they Usually. keep going in that direction and hopefully they, uh, our uh, first grade boys take a leaf out of that book. I just want to have a little whinge. Josh promised me good chicken burgers <laughs> and good chips <laughs> at Plume. You didn't like the chicken burger? I was disappointed. The, the chips were all right. The, the fillet, chips that I had were The fillet okay. I had only took up a third of the bun. That's not a chicken burger. I would say that That's I think that the, the fillet has shrunk. But, but... Have they stopped using steroids? Possibly, maybe. Or they just cut them smaller. Um, but the, the at least it has the texture of chicken. Oh, don't get me wrong. The chicken that was there was okay. <laughs> it was the lack of the rest of the chicken. You don't like lettuce? I'm fine with lettuce. I just would like, you know, value for my money. The ratio was I think two, it's six lines. bucks. Isn't I it? think they've done something to the food in the off-season. And all the chips were burnt. Yeah, my chips weren't great. They yeah, weren't my what chips they were weren't that season. good, I must admit. Yeah. I know this is a you know, football podcast, but disappointed. food's important. Disappointed. Well, yeah, I, I enjoy the plume food because it's better than the stadium and you're putting money back into the um, local association. But yeah, although... Well, what used to happen, I don't know if it's still the case, but the, the, that, that um, when your canteen is contracted out to someone. It might be. So, right. yeah. so I don't, don't. And importantly, there, I don't think that any money at all goes back into the academy, and no. that I think is a disappointing aspect of the canteen. So, well, the money that they get from the lease would, yeah, if True. it's a, if it's a completely separate business, because we had a pretty interesting conversation with um, a few people on the weekend when we were watching the younger teams and talking about some things, and uh, I nearly died when he said that uh, the under-11s pay 1700 a season to play for our academy in the SAP. 
It's incredible. Horrendous, really. Yeah. And they have no... It's almost as bad as a dodgy chicken burger. It is. They have no training fields. Imagine. Um, Yeah, and they struggle. On a positive note, the burger rings were fantastic. (laughs) 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 That is a positive note. Imagine, though, if some of the money that we're spending on consultants associated with uh, the democracy of the game and other reforms, expansion, etc., imagine if that was used to fund 11-year-olds. Mm-hmm. It's probably... 1700 for a season for 11-year-olds. Yes. It's absurd. 1700 for a season. Especially with the lack of facilities. The like funding is yeah. upside down. The um, the team apparently has a sponsorship worth about seven grand That's for 11-year-olds. And they still struggle to get by. So it's nuts. It is. Absolutely crazy. We're going to have to do um, some digging around. Talk to someone. We did. We started the conversation on the weekend. Okay. <laughs> well, that's a chat for another show. Uh, thank you for joining us. We uh, hope you enjoyed the Hutch interview. I'm sure most of you did. Maybe uh, some squadron people listening didn't like it, but there we go. Thank you to Sidelines for their sponsorship. So thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. Hello and welcome to the Coast Football Ramble Podcast. Proudly supported supported by... Oh, fuck off! (laughs) (laughs) Leave that in. (laughs) You can put that on the end. How many times have I not fucked up that? (laughs) Never. We have a guest and I fuck it up. (laughs) That's why we don't do a live show. It's because you're fucking dancing. That's what it was. (laughs) Look like Peter Garrett. (laughs) Well, I'm going for the Vati. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.